Welcome to On The Couch with Sharice. On The Couch is your go-to weekly exploration of lifestyle psychology and relationships. This podcast aims to raise awareness about various mental health, relationship and cultural topics through shared experience. It's going to be a roller coaster of emotions and allow you to relate your everyday life with the experience of others. With many special guests and some solo reflected sessions, it will be a welcome break away from any lengthy self-help books. Today we are here with Natalie and we're going to explore social identity in football. So what is social identity, you may ask? Well, it's a person's sense of who they are based on group memberships. Social identities can include ethnicity, gender, social class and sexual orientation. We're going to look at the gains and losses in football and how they can impact on self-esteem. We're going to look at how Natalie identifies with the team and what it means to her. Here today, welcome Natalie Borrell from Naughty Natty United. Is that world? Yeah, that's my individual podcast, YouTube. But I'm sort of the chairperson of the Barney Army Man United Women's Supporters Club and just avid Man United fan. More so for the women now, but obviously for the men, I've done lots of games, home, away, Europe. And now that's sort of transcending onto the women's game where I'm doing a lot of home and away games. I travel to Norway to watch the women. Looks like the women's team might get into the Champions League, so there'll be a lot of uh, more European trips for the women's teams now. So, so you're quite excited about that? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, going to be a good year next year. We'll hopefully when, you know, the road out of lockdown and all the restrictions go. I think it starts in August, so hopefully travel restrictions will be all right for people going from Manchester to wherever in Europe it could be, Spain, Italy... Russia, who knows? No, I'm not the for world's it. your oyster. The world's my oyster. So let's talk about social identity and how you got into football and what football means to you. Well, I identify as mixed race, mixed race female. How I got into football, I don't know. I think it was through my dad. He just sort of said, come and play the part, grab the football. It's easy, it's simple, I suppose, when you've got a kid. How old were you? About five, four. I think I just had a lot of energy as a kid. I have a lot of energy now. So I think as a young, young child, I just wanted to go out, wanted to run around, wanted to do something. And probably my dad thought, let's just burn around, run around in the park, kicking a football, chasing after things. And I just loved it. I loved watching it. I think what really got me into it, like Manchester United, was listening to the chants. Really just sparked something in me, really. I think I was about four. I don't really remember it fully, but I do remember like loving that Eric Cantona song. Cantona. I loved it. But apparently my mum and dad said, you're obsessed with it. You loved it. And I met Eric Cantona when I was four and I played in Disneyland. I can't remember it at all, but I kind of jumping up out of the seat. They wouldn't know I was taking my seat back off in the plane, running up and down, kind of finding. He was just quiet and didn't say anything. But like, if you ask me now, I can't remember him playing for United on the football field. I can't remember him scoring any goals, but apparently I just loved him as a kid. And I think when you're that long, it is hard to think back to those like, distinct yeah. memories like oh he scored this goal then but yeah I think it was more the community of it the togetherness of it you know when you hear songs on the terrace it's everyone's singing together and it's just really so that sense of belonging yeah definitely I loved it so is your dad a United fan? no he's a Nottingham Forest fan he was big into football growing up and then I think he went to Leeds University and it was when the EDL was sort of starting and I think he got a lot of racism going to football so he stopped going I think he was the one that definitely got me into it because my mum doesn't like football at all. So 
he was watching it and I just watched it with him and then that was it. There was that connection. Yeah, yeah. And I think, like I said, that I remember going to like a first game when I was like 10 and just hearing songs. I remember like one of my very first games was in 2000. I remember really loving it. I mean, next to the Wave fans and I remember the Wave fans were singing at us and we were singing back at them. And people might say, oh, does that not scare you? And I said, no, I love it. I love it. It's that you're fighting for what you think's right. And your club game was boring. It was nil-nil. But I was loved standing next to Blackburn fans and they were singing things at us and we were singing things back at them. And it was that. That sense of community and that rivalry. Yeah, yeah. What do you think about the rivalry? How does it bring the United fans together? Well, you're all one against... I don't want to say, like, people get offended when you say this, but, like, an enemy. Yeah. They're your enemy, so you're fighting against your enemy. I mean, I remember missing goals because we're, I'm too busy singing at the rival fans <laughs> and not watching what's going on on the field. That's why I think when you watch it on the telly, it's different. You're not with someone. Unless you're in a pub, then I suppose it is the same, close to it. But when you're watching it alone, I'm not interested in, per se, like, what's going on in the field, unless it's so exciting and, you know, everyone's sort of interested. Look at these skills, look at these flicks, but it's more about... Being together. Being together, yeah. How of 90 minutes, yeah. you're not alone and you're with other people. That... Yeah, and you all have that common feeling. You all want to win. You all want to get three points, and especially if it's against City or Liverpool, just want to smash you just want them to be on the floor praying it sounds really horrible and you want to be that victorious person in that 90 minutes what kind of emotions would you go through up down roller coaster left right highs like the greatest highs you know winning scoring a goal heart racing and then i suppose you have the the lowest of lows because if you lose and it's a last minute especially or if you just can see the last minute goal it's dropped two points or you've dropped three points it's, it's like heartbreaking so it can have a big impact on your mood yeah definitely and then in terms of you said a little bit about your dad and the times when the EDL was coming about has he ever spoke about being a black man and going to football matches was so, that in the 80s 90s what word 80s yeah and yeah he sort of says football never change it's always racist it's always been racist and then I go back to him well when you first were going when Nottingham, so it probably, he was born in Nottingham, so it probably wasn't as rife, I suppose, in a place like Nottingham. Nottingham Forest, he used to support, and that was right next to where he used to live, so it was in a sort of black community, so maybe he felt more safe there, because it was only a stone's throw away from him, whereas Leeds, different makeup of the city, he sees football just as racist, so if I say to him, oh, this has happened, or oh, that's happened, players getting abused, or players taking the name, he just sort of, like, not surprised, doesn't think anything will ever change. So do you think he's a bit ambivalent about him, passive, like, it yeah. will never change? Yeah, and he sort of, not wrong, but, you know, it's got all these things wrong with it, never going to change, it's just about this and that, so. Mm. So what do you think are some of the things that are not so good in football? I've never been, like, directly racially abused. Well, I'm seeing more things and people are sort of trying to target me a bit more. I've had little comments, snide comments. There was one guy who um, made reference and said I was like Harvey Price and I sort of thought, what do you mean by that? Um, but I actually went to kick it out and they actually did something about it. So they reported it to the police for me, did it all. Police took a statement and it's led to, you know, there being some consequences for him. For me, I think that's positive. I mean, my dad would never see it as that. My dad would just say, see, I told you so and all this. You think that's ever going to change? It doesn't matter. You know, he see it all as negative. Whereas I think, you know, positive that police came up to the house and took it seriously in a way. Do you feel supported by the Yeah, yeah, I felt, felt it was a good uh, process.
I've been told that black mixed race females are the, the lowest represented fan group in the whole of, of football. So white women go to football more, Asian women go to football more, but black and mixed race don't really. And what do you think the reason is for that? I don't know because there's a lot of mixed race and black men that go. So why don't a female? Maybe it's something to do with our culture. Don't know. But for me, I, I love football. I know a few people who do like it who don't go anymore. And I'm trying to like get them back into it. But I don't know. Maybe it's something culture, like I say, of football. I know a lot of black people do think and Asian and other people like there is sometimes like you wouldn't say direct, but it's like slight and be little comments or so it's subtle. Yeah. Some people have said to me once, um, oh, you know, Tommy Robinson, he's a good guy, like, he's not about people like you, Natalie, so, you know, the others, it's the Asians, and I'm like, obviously, you know, it's <laughs> racist, but I don't think it's through that person being, like, racist, I just think it's it's easy for people like Tommy Robinson, EDL, like I was saying, that's a target football, because it is predominantly white working class, so they see it an issue happening in the world, or whatever, or struggling to get money, so it's easy for groups like Tommy Robinson, EDL and all that kind of thing to target football, to jump on a community, to jump on them. And then and use it to their advantage. Yeah, know. use it to sort of then negative content. Yeah, to have racism and stuff like that. And I think there's a lot of groups that are trying to fight against that in football, you know, the Football Supporters Association, they're definitely anti it, they want to have a voice for the fans, but there's so much things going on in football and football is often, I think, given a bad reputation. You know, like I've just said about what I love was standing there and shouting at the rival fans, but then some people might see that as, oh, that's aggressive, that's wrong, that's violent, that's this. And so I just, it's a perception yeah. where you're going and celebrating and being excited, but people might perceive that as aggressiveness. Yeah. And do you think that's because you're a mixed-race female that's doing that? Could be, because I know, um, well, look, I've got two females on my shirt. I'm big into the female game now, and when I started to go, it was very much... We don't do that around here. And I do what? And do what you're doing. And all I was doing is standing up, shouting, singing, maybe shouting at the ref, shouting at the players, shouting at my players, telling them to press up, push hard, smash her. You know, things like that. But it's not, oh, smash her, go and break her legs. It's smash into her, get the win that ball back, push it up the field. You know, if you hear someone say smash her or smash him, they think, oh, that's violent, that's aggressive. But it's not. It's just football. Football is about aggression, you know. You, know, you need to be aggressive in the tackle, you need to be aggressive in a challenge, you need to be aggressive when you're taking a shot. When you're dribbling against the player, you know, you want your forward to push the defender off, but if you're defending, you want to push the forward off. So it is, in the in the essence, football is aggressive sport, and the most powerful, the strongest, the most determined are going to win. So me going to a game and shouting and screaming at the players and screaming at the ref and shouting things isn't sort of... Um, how can I say aggressive, violentness? It's an expression of emotion. Yeah, yeah. Do you think football is an outlet, a space where you can express yourself to the fullest without judgment? Yeah, definitely. I think police officers, lawyers, doctors, uh, solicitors, like I said, um, counsellors, MPs, it's all these kind of people, but they'll be in a ground of 75,000 and you won't know who's who. You won't know that the person next to you is a doctor who's just saved someone's life but he's probably the one saying you know what I'm saying <laughs> people might not know what I do for a living but I know loads of people in the football community even men and women I can walk around at least sports women from the women's place shake everyone's hand and know everyone and everyone knows my face but that doesn't mean they know everything about my life or what no. I do personally and that's the way it should be you know me as Natalie at the football passionate about football I'm passionate about uh, people a lot of people know I'm passionate about Black Lives Matter and things like that but 
other than that, you don't know anything about me and how I grew up. You don't know what I do for a living. You don't know about my mum, about my family, you know. So it's a place that you can escape. Yeah. But also, it sounds like you said that you're visible, but you're also invisible. Yeah, I suppose, because it's a quality in that you're all one, you're all man united, you're all like got a common cause. And you just said about they can be doctors there, solicitors, counsellors, different types of people, but they're equal. Yeah. But in terms of ethnicity, that's not represented, that's the difference. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I couldn't tell you because for me, I've always felt welcome. Mm-hmm. I've always felt like, well, then maybe that's me, I'm out there, I'm passionate, I'll wear my heart on my sleeve. People always want me to talk about Man United. Yeah. Even now when I'm talking more about the women, they're still like, oh, Natalie, I want you to get you on because... Maybe it's because it comes out, you can see. Even when I'm talking now to you, you can see. And so that's probably why people are very visible and people want to know what I think and want to... Someone even told me, you know, I describe you as a very prominent fan and I would be like, really? And they were like, yeah. There were lists of people that I know that I think are big sort of players in the game. Like, it's a very... um can be a bit weird, man, you know. It's very, like... There's this phrase that people use, top red, who's the best red, and all this. So people, there's some competitive... Yeah, yeah, people, like, like I've said to you, I've gone, I don't know where you're at, but I doesn't mean I'm better than you if you've just gone to one game. Why am I better than you? I'm not better than you. But a lot of people then do see that I've been to 100 games and da 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 and this means that I'm the best red. And when the women's team started, I stopped going to as many men's team's games. It's just what happened. It's just what I started to enjoy a bit more. The women's game, because they're more accessible to players, they're more grateful for your support. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's because, you know, at Old Trafford is 75,000, at least Sports Village is 2,000. But that's really high for women's football. So when, like I said, I came and just started shouting and saying things and telling them to press and do these, they were like, oh, that was sick. And I'm like, why is it sick? For me, I don't understand why. Do you think it's good? Just support, it should be normal. We've got our own supporters club that go, like I said, everywhere following them and they really appreciate like sort of any support that they get in they say like oh it spurs them on when they're hearing the fans shouting for them so for me that's good and I think it's representing that way like men or women Man United doesn't matter we're all one so when people are kind of championing you and going oh you're doing really well and you're really active can you embrace that and celebrate it and feel good about it? Oh, yeah, think, but I I'm just think, what I'm doing. And I think that, I think I'm just a fan like you, it doesn't matter. You know, maybe that's my personal thing, maybe that's the way I am. Maybe I should be more, allow myself to get praised in a way. Some people even said, you do so much, this is the least I could do. And I don't understand, I think, no, I'm not doing so much, I'm just doing normal, yeah, I'm just doing me, I'm just doing what I love. I hate being a person who's like, I'm the biggest women's fan, I'm this, I'm that. And like I said then, probably, yeah, I'd say like I'm the biggest women's fan. You get what I mean? Like bragging, I'm not trying to brag. I don't no, think anyone I'm just acknowledging that. that you're important in the process and people have acknowledged it and you've got a wide fan base, haven't you, yourself? Yeah. I suppose that's my fault in that I can't accept praise. Right. That's something probably I need to work on. <laughs> So in terms of, if we talk about football and well-being, what does it do for your mental well-being football? I've said to you, I've said to loads of people, without it, I feel like nothing. Like you say, your community is taken away from you. The reason why you get up in the morning, obviously, yeah, you get up in the morning, Monday to Friday, you go to work, you know why you do it, you're paying your bills, but then Saturday and Sunday is your time, and then what have you got for your time? I think football's my biggest hobby that I have in my life. It gives you a sense of purpose. Yeah. I know where I'm at. And you know when like, you're like, oh, I need to, people say I need to go to church. Football is my church. Yeah, so that's kind of your religion in a way. Yeah, and without it, yeah, I felt kind of lost. Oh. So over the last 12 months, obviously, due to the pandemic, what has it been like not being able to go to games? Can you put it into words? 
when it was all, when it all started, when it first locked down, I thought it would just be like till December or something, you know, I think that's what a lot of people thought. And then it did open up, didn't it? And that's when you thought we're going to go back. When it was first locked and it closed down, everywhere closed down, so there's not even football on the telly. And that was really hard because you would look on your programme or whatever and the thing, and it would just be like postpone, postpone, postpone. Mm-hmm. But there would be a few at the end that would say, you know, still going ahead. So you'd think, oh, well, maybe we're definitely going to get to that one. So when you saw that postpone, 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 can you just talk, tell me a little bit how you felt inside when you saw that? It's just heartbreaking, devastated, lost, I suppose, because what are you going to do? Mm. What are you going to do? Don't know. Nothing. So it's a big part of your structure and your routine. Yeah, football. yeah. You know, people say football is your life. Obviously, I love my family, I love my friends, but a lot of my friends are linked to, to football as well. Yeah. I see some of them more than I see my own family. Like when it was normal, I don't live with my mum. I wasn't seeing her. Mum's potentially without seeing my mum, without going around, not in a horrible way to her. But I see these people every week. You know, some, especially with these women's footballers, like I see them every week. And I see them before the game, give them a hug, or say, well done, we're going to go in. And then after the game, we chat for like five minutes, give them a hug. But like a second family. Yeah. Anyway. Without them, it was just like, I don't know what to do. And even then, when it came back on the telly, you, you thought, yes, it's back, but... Watching it, it's just dead, it's just dreary, it's nothing, it's not that thing. And that's what I said, going back to what I first said, the atmosphere is what, what makes it as well as the thing, you know, I can watch it on the telly, but it's not the same, you can watch the skill, and it is good, it brings back that structure, I think, but it doesn't bring back that community as much. Community is being with, around everyone, chatting to different people about different things. It's not even chatting about the football, it can be, oh, how was that thing that you had yesterday? And it's just people that you know socially through a common thing and you all sitting and watching it together. And like I said, even in a pub, it's different from sitting and watching it at home. So like every lockdown at home, it just knocks you a bit because then you're on your own again watching it. I mean, I remember when it first started, I was in a couple of pubs and started watching it and it was good. There was a few times I could go to games and there was a game on telly that was the first team and there was a development game, which is under-21s, at a stadium that we were allowed to go. And I had to go to the stadium because I had to be around people. Mm-hmm. be sitting next to people be speaking to people be watching it live what I love is the encouragement of it feels like you're having an impact on that game a lot of people you hear it now or you read it if you ever read it and you say oh we're missing our fans and you know the fans this wouldn't happen and I think fans can set the tone of a game the fans can totally change a game yeah like I said it's a crazy season if you read what people like football correspondents are saying they're saying you know if fans were here this wouldn't have happened because fans influenced it in so yeah. many ways the fans are integral to the sport it's not just about the football and going and seeing your team you've got a second family so the fans coming together that's your family part of each other's life through this common thread of football I know some people have said, well, at least we've got it, at least we can watch it. And yeah, obviously I'm grateful because, like you say, it's that structure, you know, what you're going to do on the weekend, you know, at this time, this time. But it's like you say, you've not got that people with you to do it with. So it's um, still a bit hard. What about trolling then in football? Touch a little bit about racism. Yeah, there's, there's, I don't understand it. That's what, that's what I'll say. Don't understand it. You know, a lot of them, it's like faceless people, isn't it? It's like they'll start slagging someone off and then, like you say, they'll start slagging this and saying, you you look ugly, you look this. I know a lot of girls, they'll post a football opinion and they'll have their profile picture and society's at, someone has an opinion on, then it's not even football. Why can't we all just sit down, say what we think in a respectful way? Like I said, people might not like the way that I support, but say it in a respectful way, you know, why can't the two people live in harmony? You know, you stand, you sit there and I'll stand here and 
where we are, like I said, in society, for me, society's getting worse, there's getting a lot of divides, more growing through everything, the way it's all going. What do, you, what do you mean by that? It's getting more of a divide. Um, between right, right wing and left wing, between, you know, black and white in a way, you could say, between, you know, I feel like the right wing is growing strong in this country, even across the world. You know, you've seen people like Donald Trump, you know, getting into power, you know, thought you see it, you've seen Brexit happen, you've seen uh, Nigel Farage having a big voice. Why people think they represent the country, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, that's the toxic part of social identity, yeah, anyway, because yeah. if there's us versus them, this side think we're right, that mm-hmm. side think they're right, and they're against each other, and that's when the power struggle happens, isn't it? Yeah. Things get out of control. I think that's closing football, us versus them, Man United versus Liverpool, but for me as well, I think... Like what we said before, rivalry, but it means so much. Yeah. So there's positive aspects of rivalry, but yeah. there can be a darker side of it. Yeah. Yeah, people then start giving death threats to each other and threatening people. You know, you love Man United, hate Liverpool, and that's just the way it is. And people say, well, why do you hate them? It's just hate them, that's it. There's no point asking me why. So you can't understand why you hate them? <laughs> well, I do, because they're Liverpool, isn't it? And that's just it. Man United hate Liverpool. I don't even hate City, you know, because I think City work with people, well, look, me and you, friends, you know, you know, but I think it's Man United, it's Manx and Scousers, isn't it, you know. But then I suppose then that, you can say, well, it's black and white, there's lots of difference, but no, for me, I think it's... Well, there is a difference, isn't there, because one is about a club, a membership to a club, and one is about something that you can't change, which is your ethnicity. Mm. So there's deeper levels to it, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you said that you got support from Kick It Out, have you been involved with any of their initiatives? Or? Yeah, I've um, been on a webinar All right, and I've okay. been chatting. I think they wanted me to talk because, like I said to you, black females are the most underrepresented group. So they just wanted me to talk about my opinions on taking the knee. I spoke, I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's like the sort of president of Troy Townsend. He's sort of the most prominent guy and he was sort of like... For him now, he says that the issue isn't even about me taking a knee or not. It's the racism and changing and making football authorities take it seriously and stuff like that. The players want to see change. But I think the fans want to see change and I think he knows just through like being on that panel and speaking to him, listening to his views and then saying my views. I think everyone needs to work together, not just players who are working to do their thing. I think the players, the fans, the clubs, the FA, the Premier League, the... It's got to be a structural yeah, level. Yeah, structural for everyone, but... It's through social media, mostly, isn't it? No one's going to see anyone and saying you're a... Sometimes they do, but, you know, it's all through social media, so it's got to be, as well, the social media platforms have got to want to change. You know, you've got to want to see the Premier League at the top, top levels want to change. And in a way, I don't think they do, because I think they're comfortable in their position, they're getting money. I mean, you see the FA board, it's all white males. I think there's one Asian woman on it. You know, with all the things that are going on, it's probably not affecting them, so they're probably thinking, why am I bothered about change when, you know, we're making all these millions and billions? So do you think, in a sense, like Black Lives Matter in football and Kick It Out is lip service, or do you think there is a genuine commitment to bring about change? I think there's a genuine commitment, but is it from building and building up, knocking on a few doors to get to the top, I suppose? Mm-hmm. So it'll probably take a while. It's like what my dad said, you know, we're going to see change, and he's been watching football for, you know, since the 80s, 70s kind of thing, and he's saying there's never going to be change. Maybe there never will be, I don't know, but you'd like to think, 
So do you have a sense of hope and that yeah, yeah. people put things forward? Yeah, definitely. I think the more we talk about it, the more there'll be change. If you just give up and just say, oh, you know, that's it, you know, you're never going to see change and just get on with it and just accept it, then you'll never, yeah, you will never see change. But the more, you know, like, for example, this taking a knee, people don't like it. Well, tough. We're not going to stop. That's how I see it. And why should they stop? And I understand, like, some black players have said, oh, you know, it's not bringing about change. Obviously, it's not bringing about change. It's not bringing about change now, but maybe it might not bring change in their lifetime, you know? They might be 30-year-old men and, or 28-year-old men and they might think, you know, I'm not seeing any change through taking a knee. Well, you might not see it, but then that kid who's five years old might see it. It's yeah. just... So it's about passing this down, breaking the cycle through generations. Yeah. Because obviously it's changed from... I mean, people will probably say no, it hasn't, but, you know, probably changed since when the very first black person walked into this country there's been change since then to now yeah so eventually you know i think every time you take the knee kids do everything that premier league footballers do you know um the way that ronaldo celebrates you see the kids all celebrate like that jump in the air and spin around so they've got a massive influence yeah so you know i think i saw a picture or a video or something and there's kids that are taking the knee and that's they might not know why they're doing it but then eventually they'll realize oh it was about that yeah and they'll understand the historical context of it yeah what about sexuality in football? Do you know much about that? Yeah, a lot of women's footballs are gay, lesbian, bisexual. Gender fluid. Gender fluid, yeah. That's great. But in the men's football, they're not as open about it. Yeah. No one's come out as gay or... I don't know whether it be through fear or ridicule, like you're saying, trolling, all that kind of stuff. But you've seen a lot more rainbow laces, rainbow armbands. I do think it is a lot of uh, lip service, though, in that respect, because then, you know, of all the Premier League footballers, all the male footballers, tell them there's not one gay guy. I'm not saying that they have to come out. Obviously, they can do what they want. In women's football, you see a lot of relationships. You've observed that in the women's game, they're more accepting and acknowledging invisible yeah. their sexuality than yeah. their sexuality. Why do you feel like there's a difference in the men's game? Yeah. What do you think that is due to? I just think it's due to... Yeah, fear. Maybe, like, back when my dad was, um, I don't know if you know about him. Just in fashion. Yeah, he yeah. came out as gay. People are still scared of that. And I think, like, people, for example, I think they're scared of, like, songs or whatever, or people shouting things. You know, people know what's right a bit more now and what's wrong. I hope, you know, you wouldn't hear it as much. People have come out now after they've retired. So do you feel that, that they subconsciously might think it's going to jeopardise my career, maybe? Maybe. For me, I don't know because I can't talk about yeah, like how people might think. And maybe in the past they did think, you know, changing different change rooms and all this and all that kind of thing about masculinity. But I feel like now it would be more normal. Like you say, why are you, why are you wearing a rainbow armband and a rainbow this? If then you're going to say, oh, this, I don't want this guy changing next to me, why are you wearing it then? Whereas I think in the dressing rooms they probably would accept it. In the terraces, who knows? And in terms of looking forward and obviously transitioning and hopefully coming out of the pandemic eventually. How do you feel about how football might change in terms of security and safety and vaccine passports or testing? Have you ever got any thoughts on that? I'm going to say it honestly now. I don't care. I'll do anything. I just want to go. So going back into the stadium? Oh, I'm not bothered. I'm just going back. To, I hope it can, by the 21st of June, they're saying all restrictions are off. I take that as me. Hopefully that means no masks, no distancing. You know, even if I have to go back distance, wear a mask, sit down, do this, do that, I still do it. What if you wanted to shout and express yourself? What do you think you'd be able to make yourself in? Yeah, I'm going to have to, aren't I? 
I just want to be there. I think it gets more case of I want to see players. I want to see people that are in the stadium that I only saw on a Saturday. Not saying they're not my friends or anything, but they're more acquaintance. I just want to know, are you still okay? Are you okay? Oh, I wonder how that family's doing. Oh, it'll be good to see this one again and good to see that one again. So it sounds like you were really invested, even though they were acquaintances. Those relationships are important as well as the football. Yeah, so I really just want to see everyone again. And like I said, hopefully it's normal. There's no distance in this. You can properly grab someone and celebrate and jump up and hug them and kiss them and shout in their face like normal. Right, so because you're very expressive and you are passionate, yeah. if you have to dim that part of yourself, what, what do you think will happen if you've got to hold yourself back a little bit? I think, right, and I don't think they will because I've, we've had these chats, you can't stop anyone from celebrating. To expect someone to just sit on the seat and go, it's not going to happen. So even that's why, in a way, that's why they wanted everyone distant. Because at least if you stand up, there's not that person that you can then grab onto and jump on. Yeah, I'm sure you'd find it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you could stand up and then someone was look, you're looking at someone, at least you could be hug them virtually kind of thing, hug yeah. them from a distance like that and be like this and grab the badge and kiss it and jump up and then... You know, for then that player scored, you know they're going to run over to corner where the fans are, you know, socially distanced, run round, you know that. Even before all this pandemic, one of the last few games I went to, they were literally walking round and clapping everyone and didn't come. There was little kids there going inside, I think, and they didn't. And that was a week before it all closed down. So when we get back, that's probably what might happen. They might still say players to keep the distance because obviously their commodities there, you know, you don't want a player. Yeah, you've got to protect it and the risk. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, you know, you might not think, but I think it's just being afar and waving and like I said, that thing of shouting at them and seeing them move. It's like playing a video game, come on, and you see them (laughs) giving their extra 10% through the fans. I mean... If you listen, like I was listening to a few and they said, oh, we really miss the fans when we're down, when we're losing because, or when I'm having a bad game, that's when I miss them because they'll sing your song, you hear them shouting your name and that's what gives you a good buzz. Yeah, it's motivating. Yeah. So being an integral part of the football process and contributing back to your team winning, obviously the financial investment, the emotional investment, the time, how do you feel about that? Feels good feels like fans are the 12th man, you know, the fans are the difference between winning and losing. And sometimes people say it in the men's game, you think, oh, you're rubbish. But I'm now thinking back to games and thinking that was the reason why we won, because fans just got up for it. And I feel like that's what you'll see now, more fans getting up for it. And it actually having an impact more when they come back because they've had, it's been away for so long. So when it comes back, it's going to boost everyone so much tenfold and I feel like that interest because everyone's been away for so long is just gonna go up everyone's now like gagging for it they're waiting they can't wait I'm gonna break down the door I feel like a lion in a cage I feel like tiger kicking you know tiger getting locked up that tiger and when he gets out he runs free I get a sense of feeling trapped then have you been felt feeling a bit yeah. isolated yeah definitely been feeling low you know, for example, I used to speak to my mum and that first lockdown and I said, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to come and see. You know, when people were saying, it sounds really horrible now. People were saying, oh, I miss my mum, I miss this. I just thought, no, I just miss my football. Since 16, worked and all my money's gone on football. So that's what I've always gone to games whenever. You know, even when I was at uni and I had no money, 
When I came back at Christmas, I always went to the Christmas games and I started to then build up contacts with people. And if I ever, for example, got a ticket through whoever, I was in Nottingham Uni, I used to jump on the train to Manchester, something about 20 quid, buy a 30 quid ticket, so that's 50 quid, bang, watch that game and go home. A lot of money committed to it, you know. You said a little bit about felt depressed, low mood, what's happened yeah, to you? Yeah. football in your life? Yeah, isolated. You know, sounds really sad. Why am I living? If I can't live my life, why am I living? So, like you say, trapped. You're in your house, you're working from home, you're looking at the same four walls, and you turn your laptop off or turn off whatever you're doing and we work from home, and you're just in the same place, mm-hmm. can't go anywhere. And then I suppose when there was no football at the weekend, what am I doing? So you've got quite a stressful job. So the football is that escapism, outlet, expressing yourself and your passion. How did you break through or how did you keep going? Speaking to people, telling them how I was feeling. Yeah. My mum, I don't think, I think she understood, but she couldn't. She couldn't relate. To yeah, yeah. I mean, the closest that she can make, she loves Zumba, she goes to go to the gym. So that's her thing. So when the gym was taken away, it wasn't even like, she was like, oh, but I'm still going to the gym. But then when the gym went, she went, oh, what am I going to do now? And I said to her, now you know how I feel. And she went, well, I'm gym from home. And so she did, and I'm not, now I think she's used to that, in a way. She does always a gym from home. But I said to her, what if you couldn't do any gym from home? What if it's all gone? And she's just like, it'll come back, it'll come back. But I feel like, even as I was speaking to you, I think you even understood. Ever since you've known me, that's all I talk about, football. Speaking to my friends that aren't even related to football and saying, listen, I feel this low. And people who don't like football can still see my passion shine through like, it's like we were talking. You understood, in a way. And I feel like, actually, that's normal. You know, and other people saying to me, this lockdown's being worse for me as well. I think recently, him saying, these are the dates, that's helped. So you've got some hope for the future, but yeah. you've got a goal. Yeah, and I mean, like I've said, I've travelled everywhere, and now I feel like the women, if they do get Champions League, that could be one of the first games back. Travelling to Spain, and you watch your team, that'll just be like, yeah, the best, because I think... If the first game with fans is in Spain, they know that we're coming, it's just going to be so good. It'll be, like, hot. Everyone with T-shirts. Like, I love the heart as well. I think, like, this lockdown three has been the worst. I like to go out. You can't sit in your garden. You can't enjoy yourself. At least lockdown one, the sunshine was yeah. so good. It wasn't too bad. You yeah. didn't really notice it, but being in the winter, being cold. Yeah. Whereas I feel like, imagine if you're summer holiday... One of your summer holidays is going and watching the football. That's win-win. That's like two things that I love doing. Sun, sea, sangria, football. And has not having football taught you anything about yourself? I think it's taught me to do other things, get other things to do. But yeah, thinking about other things. Tell her actually, no. Having other goals, having other aims. So I'm thinking I need to buy a house. Yeah. It's made me think, probably, yeah, goal setting in other areas. Trying to do other like things with my employment and boost myself in that aspect. So I suppose not having it has made me think because a lot of my money, like I've said, since working, it's always been on football. So, you know, maybe now I need to think about my life and get a house, get a car. So investing in the football is good and it's a passion and it's your enjoyment, but also having that balance of having things for your future. Yeah. Down the foundation, in a yeah, way. yeah. So, do you think once the football's got back, you'll be able to still see those goals, or do you think you'll? Yeah, no, I think I will still see them. I mean, ask me again when it's back, and you know, when I'm traveling to Europe, but you know, I'm putting it down now. I'm trying to move ahead in my career, so 
you know, before I was, I put that on hold for just doing football things and building the, the supporters club. Whereas now I feel like the supporters club is building itself. You know, it's bound to be doing it all the time. I can do other things as well as that. And in terms of your obviously professional career and then your social identity in football, are they quite different? And how do you manage those two roles? I just keep them separate. I mean, it's when I'm at work, I'm at work. When I'm at football, I'm at football. And, you know, people at work know that how much I love football, but as I mean, people at football know what I do for work and I don't tell everyone, sort of as a need-to-know kind of basis. If I don't know you, if I just know you as Bob, who I see at the football, I'm not going to tell you my business, but if I do know you as a, as a friend and I speak to you outside of football and I speak to you every day, mm-hmm. then yeah, I do this as a job, but... Bob, Jim, Terry, Sophie, Katie, they don't need to know what I do for a living. We're just people who go to the pub and watch football and, yeah, do miss all those people because they're such a big part of it. But they don't know my whole life and why should they know it? You know, I used to work across seven days a week, work morning and night, and, and I've, I've worked, I've done night shifts, so to go to football matches and stuff. So you finished the night shift and went to the football? No, I've watched football and then done a night shift. Because I have to go to the football game. Right. So at the moment you can have that balance? No, yeah, because I'm more nine to five structured. What do you think about such passion for football and finding identity through it? You know, football is a good way of expressing your identity and you've highlighted a lot of positives. And even though your dad has said, oh, this is the way it's going to be and it's not going to be, it's negative and it's racist, you haven't let that influence you. You've found your own path and your own journey. And you said, no, actually, this is my experience of football. There's positives and negatives and I'm going to make it what I want to make it and get out of it what I can. Well, thank you very much for your time, Natalie. And where can we find you if anyone's interested in yeah, um, following you? Natalie underscore 17. That's on uh, Twitter. Um, Nutty Natty B on Instagram. And then if you're interested in joining the Women's Supporters Club, it's Bar Miami M-U-W-F-C across all social media platforms. So even if you're just a Man United fan who mainly watches the men's team, I'd say come and give... You know, support to both. So, you know, any, everyone can join um, and support the women's football. And for me, it's, it's not even, even about the inclusivity. It's just about they can play for Man United. So for me, they should get the same support no matter what. Man, women, child, gay, straight, doesn't matter. We should all support Man United as a whole. Thanks for tuning in. Want to hear more? You can access this podcast on many platforms, including Spotify. And make sure you mark your calendars every Saturday because that's when new episodes air.